All right, hello, what's going on? Rich Ryan here. Welcome to the Reinforced Running Podcast. What's up? Today, solo episode, what we're going to do, we're going to talk about the things that I've found have been working really well for high rocks training in particular, and other things that I found have not been working very well. So I go through a couple different categories, and we're going to talk about what works on the running end, the strength end, and some of that compromised, more race-specific side of things. To accompany this episode, there is a brand new 12-week training program for high rocks specific athletes. So I released a program last year. It did really well. I got some really great results. And now this new one is just going to take a lot of these updated elements of training that I'm going to talk about in just a minute and puts it all into place. So the previous version, version one, is still top notch. It's still for sale. You can get it at a discounted price. Originally $59, now is just $39. And the version two is now for sale for $59. You can get that with a link down below in the show notes. Again, both programs are going to work really well. Version two is just an updated, better, more well-rounded program for high rock specific uh, training, in my opinion. So let's go ahead and uh, get on into this here content. So some of the first things that uh, I'm going to talk about here are the different types of running workouts and which ones I feel work better than others. I do think there's a really big place for training just running, right? The demands of high rocks are, are very Um, are unique in that the fatigue that is built up over the course of the, the 60 to 90 minute race are very hard to replicate with just a running workout. I found that that is certainly the case, but as many of you listening know, it's still a lot of running and running is going to be the biggest part of this event. It's going to hold a lot of athletes back or it's going to help them get to that next level. So it's very important to work on just specific running. If we're just doing our running workouts compromised, we're always going to sacrifice our high end speed. So that's why I do feel it's important to do running workouts standalone. So you can improve your actual running speed. You'll get better at the compromised work. If you're always doing like sled pushes and then running that running that you're doing after the sled push will improve, but to ultimately get faster, you need to be able to run fast. And if you're doing 50 meters of sled push before every single run, you're just going to naturally uh, be slowing down on that run piece. So running alone is critical. Uh, if you're not doing this, please start doing it. Uh, I, I I do two specific running alone workouts every single week and uh, running is already one of my strengths in this, but I just feel like what we're capable of doing as uh, human athletes, what we've seen people do as runners and what the runners are doing in high rocks. Now there's this massive opportunity to improve there. And it's most of the event. <laughs> it's, it's usually uh, around half, maybe just under half if you're, if you're running really well, uh, and if your stations are pretty solid, but it's pretty close to half and everything else is just, uh, a 16th truly. So getting strong, getting good at the sled push, getting good at rowing, getting good at skiing there. They are very important and, and being able to work in all these pieces together 
they're very helpful, but running is still something that you're going to need that if you really want to take it to the next level. Again, I'm biased coming from an endurance background, but if you just think about it from that perspective, we can do a lot more with our running and we can, and it's most of the freaking event. And the, the downside of it is not that fun. It's not that fun. It's a grind. And uh, we need to uh, really kind of put ourselves in this place. So I am a strong believer in uh, threshold training, like putting yourself in the, the, the area of being able to hold a pace for about an hour. I've spoken about uh, these kind of threshold repeats, cruise intervals, whatever you want to call them. There's a bunch of different names for them. I'm, I'm just going to refer to it as uh, the threshold, threshold intervals, threshold training. <clears throat> that, I believe, is the best way to get fit and fast for this event and for DecaFit. And just for like running in general, it's a great way to raise your high endurance. And if you're running faster, you're in and for, for a longer amount, that's kind of that sweet spot. It's like what you can do the fastest amount of running for the longest amount of time without blowing yourself up and without it and with it still being fast. So that's the crux of it. I've done a couple much bigger, deeper dives on threshold training in the, in previous solo episodes. So you can go back and listen to those. They just say threshold in the, in the titles or search that however you can get that, just do that. Go back and listen. If you really want to know it's in both of it. So there are two different ways that we can then approach this type of training for Hyrex in particular for, so there are, we're going to talk about our tempo runs and straight up like threshold intervals. So to me, the way I'm going to define a tempo run is one long run, <laughs> like one to two. I'll, I, sometimes I'll have like tempo intervals, which are longer pieces at a bit of a slower pace. So this is these are really strong, solid workouts for events like a half marathon or a marathon because they're pretty damaging on the body. And the way that the fatigue comes in, it kind of builds slow. You're hitting you're hitting a pace that is uh, submaximal, but the beatdown that you take creates a lot of fatigue over the course of one big long interval. So say like 20 to 60 minutes or so of a tempo run, quote unquote, is what we're going to be talking about that. And then threshold intervals are going to be uh, much shorter, faster pieces with short rest. So that could be anything from like 16 by two minutes with 30 seconds rest to uh, five by 10 minutes with two minutes rest. So the pacing of, of the threshold runs are going to be much faster than the tempo pieces because the intervals are, are shorter. So you're able to run a little bit faster. You're going to get that lactic response that you that ultimately is what we're trying to do with these type of intervals. You're going to get it quicker and you're going to be running faster. So you're going to be taking on a little bit more damage as uh, muscularly, but you're also going to be training that speed. So I think the threshold intervals are a much better way to get faster. Right. If you're straight up need to get faster, threshold interval intervals are going to be superior than to tempo runs. So just kind of bookmark that. So I think that for DecaFit, I think, or uh, if like you're doing OCR, uh, doing threshold intervals are is a great way to improve your straight up running. But there's a little bit of nuance when it comes to Hyrox. I think that for Hyrox, there is a place for tempo uh, tempo runs even though I find them to be less optimal than threshold intervals, you still have this fatigue that kind of builds slowly and the pace itself is closer to high rocks pace. Your threshold is going to be the same effort. Your threshold intervals and your run effort in high rocks are going to be almost the same. To me, it feels that way. 
but the pacing is drastically different because of how compromised your running becomes. So for, so say for instance, uh, I can, I'll use myself for an example on this one. And my threshold intervals are probably like outweigh how fast I'm running in, an, in a high rocks, uh, just because of uh, how, uh, like how the elements kind of beat me up. Like my higher end running is definitely better than my compromised running. And I just need to kind of close that gap. But for threshold runs, my pace is going to be between, uh, you know, five twelve and five, like 18 or something like that. That's what I'll run those intervals in, in those pieces. And with those short rests for a uh, high rocks, I am going to run probably like five forty-five, five fifties. So it's a, a difference of 30 to 35 seconds in my race effort in terms of pace and how fast that I'm actually moving. But the effort feels almost the same. The heart rate's about the same. I'm sure the response that's happening internally in terms of my uh, lactate production is probably pretty similar, but it, I'm just running much, much slower in a high rocks event. So that's why I kind of like and encourage people to do tempo runs, which are one big long piece, because that pace is going to feel much similar to that. That pace is going to feel much similar to what we're going to experience during a high rocks. The, the actual, the, the actual um, physical response that we're looking for, or we're going to get in training is going to be pretty similar between the two of them, but the tempo run that takes a little bit longer, like to get that lactic response to get to where we want to go. It's going to take almost the duration of the tempo run. It's like the last like five to eight minutes is where we really kind of need to, to grit our teeth and, and kind of fight through that where the threshold intervals happen much quicker for that lactic response. It's still like not, it's still less specific. It's, and, and with high rocks, the pacing of the event is so important that if we're just doing threshold runs, it, it, it can be, you can almost misjudge it because you're going to be running at what your threshold pace would be. And that's going to be too fast for this event. It's going to be 20 seconds faster than what you probably should be running. Well, if we're doing tempo runs, we understand how this fatigue kind of builds slow. We're in it for pacing for those longer pieces. And that's really the hardest part of, of pacing for a high rocks is not how we feel in the first 20 minutes, it's how we feel from minutes 40 to minutes 65 and how those running that running in those first 20 minutes is going to affect how we are feeling at minute 50. And that's where this disconnect can happen. If we're just doing faster running intervals, that early piece is really easy to get in overhead. Even though you, this is a pace that you feel like you can hold for that long and you should be able to hold for that long. The, the event itself kind of blows that to pieces and you need to account for that with the pacing parts. So doing these one big long tempo effort is going to be a, a great way to uh, to learn how the running early in the event is going to uh, affect how you're feeling later in the event. In a tempo run, you feel great in the first five, 10, 15 minutes, even 15 minutes are kind of in it. You're like, oh, okay, I see how this is going to end up being hard. And then when you're into the last again five to eight minutes you're like oh this is incredibly hard <laughs> because all those signals are going off so if you are kind of newer on the running end of things i would probably steer you toward tempo runs more than the threshold runs and the threshold efforts are really going to help increase your overall ability to run fast and your your uh, fitness will increase at a uh, more exponential rate, in my opinion, if you're able to do the threshold intervals. <clears throat> but if you're new to high rocks, 
uh, or if you're new to running for high rocks, I think a tempo run or having a tempo run as pieces as a piece of your your training kind of built in really is going to build a lot of uh, physical strength and mental strength and really help you understand the pacing of what's happening during these longer bouts. So not glamorous stuff, not that fun of stuff, but if you have, if you are doing standalone running workouts, which you should, I think, and you're newer to pacing and newer to running in general, which many of you are, then I think that these tempo runs are going to be really important to understand how you're going to be feeling during a high rocks event. One thing that I don't think works very well at all is even going faster than the threshold paces that we just talked about. So this would be things like VO2 max intervals. So this would be like 5K to sub 5K pace, uh, anywhere between 60 seconds and five minutes with about like one-to-one recovery for your rest is probably too fast. Uh, There's not really a piece in in a high rocks where you're going to actually need to go fast. Uh, I think these VO2 max intervals are very effective on the machines uh, on like the rowing and on skiing to do intervals like five by two and a half minutes with two and a half minutes rest is one of my bread and butter workouts. It just kind of puts you in a place much faster than what you need to go for high rocks, but, and, and, but really just makes the relative pace much easier. And that is helpful when it comes to the 1000 meters that we have to do, which is relatively short, right? So getting that high end really fast uh, ability to, to pull on a rower or a skier, or if we're talking about deck or an assault bike, it's very helpful. But for high rocks, these type of faster intervals, like, yes, intuitively, you're like, oh, I want to run fast. I should go fast. Like there's no place for this in a high rocks event. So like, yeah, it might make you faster, but it's so outside of the realm of the event that you're mostly going to be spinning your wheels. So if you wanted to do these type of intervals, I would save it for more of like the off season. They're very effective for deca fit training um, because there is running that is fast and it kind of puts you into this um, almost like lactic takeover place where you're going to be in a lot of oxygen debt. You probably aren't going to be in too much oxygen debt during a high rocks event. Uh, and if you are, you've gone too fast and you are going to slow down soon because of the the demands of the event and how long the event actually is. So those shorter interval pieces, I don't think will do very much for you unless you are on time crunch and you want to inflict a ton of fatigue before say doing like a sled push, like that could be a place for it. doing two minutes, super hard run, and then coming in gassed to a sled push and then hitting it hard or doing that to on like a rower or something like that. But for running specifically, I don't think that that's a great place for you to, to really spend time doing. So another piece that I found for high rocks training that is uh, working much better than what it had, what I had originally thought is the amount of frequency that of quality work that we can do. So coming from an endurance background, it's like that 80-20 methodology where 80% of your running should be done at an easy pace and then 20% should be at a uh, more um, aggressive interval-based speed work type of, of, of training. I find that for high rocks, this is a little bit too conservative. And the 80-20 methodology works really well for running because muscular damage is one of the m- major limiting factors when it comes to how well you're going to perform and recover because it's so 
damaging to just run every single day that if you try to run hard every single day, you're probably going to get injured <laughs> or you're just going to be working so hard uh, for, for your recovery that you're, you're going to, you can kind of put yourself in that overreaching state pretty quickly. So that's, to me, that's why the 80-20 methodology works. It's not necessarily the systemic fatigue. And if this, I think the systemic fatigue is um, exponentially higher with just running because of the muscle damage that you take on, that you need to do a lot of easier work. In a high rocks event or a DecaFit event, you can go harder much more often if you're switching the domains of the training. So that means doing a lot more uh, running, I'm uh, sorry, rowing intensity, skiing intensity, you can do a lot more Metcom based stuff as long as you're muscularly able to recover. So I feel like doing more quality work is an area that like intuitively people would come into this and think that that might be a good way to do it. Like everyday intensity, everyday intensity, we got to do the, the demands of the events. And for the most part, I, would a, uh, try to steer athletes away from doing intensity most days. But it's something I'm coming around to is that like there, if muscularly we can hang on and continue to recover by switching the domains of the training, we can do a lot more. I think we could do a lot, lot more. So the way that that would kind of work would be doing some sort of like finishers at the end of a strength training session, right? I do think strength training should still be in, in your high rocks training program, at least twice a week, maybe more if you need it, if, if you have that kind of time, but finishing with some sort of Metcon or finishing with some sort of, uh, specific work toward high rocks or deca so what that would be like a uh, uh, one thing that's been uh, a really uh, a really cool way to, to kind of put into training that i put into a lot of the training programs um uh, meg jacoby gave me an idea about this as well is just doing like these imam work the imam workouts it's just like you set a certain amount of reps that you're going to do and within that minute you have to do that work. I like to do every minute on the second minute and having it be uh, like a, an example would be every minute on the second minute for uh, 32 minutes. And then it's four different exercises. So it would be like the first would be 30 cows on the ski. Then it's 30 cows on the row. Then it would be like 40 lunges and 40 wall balls that, that generally fits within that two minute window. And you just try to give yourself like 15 to 20 seconds of rest moving between. So this kind of curbs the intensity so that you aren't completely killing yourself and there's a small amount of built-in rest in there and it helps those workouts go by you can do 40 minutes in an every minute on the second minute and it feels like no time at all it's just kind of hustling around and you're going to get more time in in practicing the skills for the station work another thing where i should think we should really up the frequency is on the skiing and the rowing and working those on specific progressions. So much like how I mentioned for, for running, what we're capable of doing as humans and what's been documented and what is known as fact for, for how fast runners can go uh, versus what runners are doing in the hybrid space, like huge opportunity on the running end, absolutely massive opportunity on the running end. There's also a massive opportunity on the machine end. What, what we can do as humans on the rower and what we're doing as hybrid athletes, it's a ridiculously huge opportunity. So being able to increase your overall ability to be a better rower or a better skier is something that I think we should take really serious. And it's something that we should spend time doing, putting ourselves into specific progressions 
for rowing and skiing. And then we have to just the way we have to work on our compromised running ability after we get better at running by doing things like sled pushes and lunges and then running. We got to do the same thing for the rowing and the skiing. We got to make sure our, our, our compromised ability on the rower and skier match up with um, what we can do alone. So I would recommend that we do like specific ski and row progressions and then work those into more race specific things where you're kind of moving in and out of the rower because uh a thousand meters at the end uh at, at the what is it the sixth station of high rocks um no fifth station of high rocks is feels way different than it does <laughs> when you just sit your butt on there and you're doing i don't know 1500 meter repeats or whatever you're doing so I think that that is a huge opportunity and really kind of pushing what that looks like in your training program. So how, so I think we could do more quality work on the skier, on the rower, and then more quality that kind of met kind all the pieces kind of built in um, than what we, than what I feel like I've been able to do in the past. Like I mentioned in, the, in my early training programs, I kind of split it up uh, where early season stuff, we kind of put a little bit of this in there, but now it's like pretty present throughout the entire program where it's like, we're going to get better at skiing. We're going to get better at rowing. And then you're going to get better at both of those things together. And then you're going to get better at the, all of those things after you're doing a bunch of uh, other exercises like running and pushing a sled and, and burpees and stuff like that. So that is an area where I think it's a huge place that we could take advantage of for, uh, high rocks training is increase just increasing that frequency of what we think we were able to do. Um, now I think there's, there's a way we can get carried away with that. And it's when we are just doing high rocks up every single day where it's like high rocks, Metcon, high rocks, compromise workout, high rocks, Metcon. And that's the only thing that, that that's, that takes priority in your training. That's when it gets a little bit, that's where plateau is going to happen really quick. So, even though I am now encouraging to do more quality work throughout the week, you need to still be kind of specific about what you're doing instead of being like, okay, today we're going to get better at high rocks and tomorrow we're going to get better at high rocks. That should always be the goal, but how that's done and where you're doing it should uh, really kind of mold and direct your actual, your training. So I still think you need to work on raising your ceiling across all of these movements one way or another, instead of just like trying to raise your, uh, like, just, like that's the best way to increase your overall ability instead of doing all the mixed work and slowly getting better and better at just high rocks. That's where these like, like a 12, 16, 20 week program will be really helpful. Just being like, here's the specific work that I need to do. And I will just do specific high rocks work for eight weeks and to build into like a really solid, uh, like a race. But if you're just doing all that high rocks work all year round, there's going to be a cap to what you're able to accomplish. <clears throat> yes, <laughs> that is that. <clears throat> so those are a couple of things that I've been really thinking about when it comes to the high rocks training. Again, the, uh, and just to summarize, I think that threshold running is very important. I think tempo run work is very can be extremely helpful to help you improve your actual running ability and your pacing ability when it comes to high rocks. So putting those in place for your standalone running workouts, I think is very important. Um, 
And then doing a little bit more frequency for your quality work. I, I believe that that is an area that we can really push into even more. And as the sport continues to grow and to develop, like how much work total we're able to do or we're able to put into a week is just going to expand. And how, and then that's maybe where we can kind of get into more of like the aerobic and easy work when we are understanding how much work is actually uh, doable in, in high rocks. So, so between those two things, I think that's, it puts, it will put you in a really good spot uh, for training for this thing. Again, version one of the uh, 12 week high rocks training program is now on sale and you can get version two, which is the updated uh, new and improved 12 week, 12 week high rocks training program, which again, takes a lot of these elements that I'm talking about now and puts them in a place. I mean, these are all things that I've tested myself. The athletes who I coach, they do a lot of the same things and they're getting great results. So if that's something that is interesting to you, make sure you can take a look at that link in the show notes below. Let me know what you think of these short form uh, podcasts where it's just me talking about one or two concepts and having them in there uh, just for those who are thirsty about the training and racing methodology and things like that. So hope this is helpful for you. Let me know what questions pop up. If there's a topic you want to have covered on these like shorter short form podcast, let me know and I will maybe do it. I'll consider it. I definitely won't just like do it. If you're just like asking, like, if I don't think it's a good idea, I'm not going to do it, but if I think it's a good idea, I'll do it. So let me know and uh, make sure you subscribe, share this with a friend, just anybody who's thinking about doing high rocks and let me know what questions pop up. We'll talk to you soon.